As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We've had a couple of personnel things uh, go on here. You're aware of Willie's situation. Darius Harris can fill in there. I mean, we've got people to fill in, but Darius uh, has a chance to step in there. Um, and then we uh, have Bennett White Whitling that uh, joined our team from the Rams, uh, previously from Holy Cross. So uh, defensive end. All right. So other than that, uh, we look forward to the challenge of playing the Colts. Um, we know they're a good football team, and in this thing, you, it's record aside. I mean, um, they're talented. They're well coached. So well-organized organization, so um, we've got to make sure we have a good week of, of practice, and that's starting today. That time's yours. There's only one name that Chiefs Kingdom wants to talk about this week. There's one player that defines everything that Chiefs fans want to know about, need to know about, can't hear enough about. They are desperate for more information, Nate. On Darius Harris. Who is that man? Look, y'all. He took a red shirt year. (laughs) And then he got on the roster late the next year. He took a redder shirt year. He took the red, re-red shirt. He he took the eye, he took the red eye to the red shirt. Back to the red eye. Look, guys. I've talked to Darius Harris less than the amount of fingers that are on my right hand. <laughs> so we all have to find out, really. And look, the coaches will tell you he's cerebral, like Steve Spagnolo said, or that, hey, Nick Bolton. Actually, it was Elijah Lee that said he was. And I was like, I'm, this will not be published in The Athletic, sir. It, I <laughs> simply cannot. But he was, but you know, Elijah did a very nice thing where he was like, you know, I was the veteran, I had to be cut. Because if they would have waived Darius Harris, he would have been more than likely claimed, up. claimed on the waiver wire. And then he took it a step too far, in my opinion, where Elijah Lee basically said, well, he's just as good as Nick. Okay. And then I had to. <laughs> really? Do you ever just. This, ever is, just... this is where professionalism is of the <laughs> highest order. Okay. He is being incredibly complimentary of his teammate. Digest it, 
ask a professional question that has no relation to what he just said to me. Um, and that's what I did uh, a week ago. Yeah, I like it. I, you know, something just occurred to me. So I don't know if it's like a mental block that I've created. Um, I suppose I should also say I'm Seth Kaiser. This is Nate Taylor. This is Times Ours. And this is what it sounds like without Josh Briscoe. And it's fine. It's fine, guys. No, no, don't you, don't you hang up. Don't you stop listening. It's going to be fine. Everyone calm down. Although I should confess that I have gotten really used to just kind of drifting away for a little while while we record. And as as you stop, as you got done wrapping up, because I, I was listening. Like, oh, yeah, I was sure. listening. Sure. I was listening. I'm right here is the <laughs> is the term. But like I wasn't like you listening, really, listening. You really put the free in free safety, don't you? you I you, do. You really I do. do. I wander. I and any given play, I am either like prime ed reed or i am kendrick lewis when he was put in single high there's no in between there and so i i roam i roam a little and then as you were rapping i was like wait i'm not gonna have my usual time to to re-listen to it in my head i gotta talk now and so i'm just gonna say i think this is gonna be fine i'm excited but darius harris as good as nick bolton that's exciting Hey, according to Elijah Lee, uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> from the Chiefs locker room during the middle of the week. Um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, hey, um, this is a this is a really appropriate test, right, uh, Seth? Because the the Chiefs are better than the Colts. We all know this. Yeah, they, they know better. this. The Colts probably know this. What's we know the, this. Well, yeah. What's the? And I knew. <laughs> That he knew. <laughs> that, like, they know. Like, if they all know. the Colts players got together right now and Mahomes just walked up to Matt Ryan and was like, hey, we're better than you, he'd be like, yeah, I know. He wouldn't even, like, look up from his food. But, hey, we're contractually obligated at 1 o'clock Eastern time on September 25th to play a game in front of millions of people um, through the media form of television. So, all that is to say is this is a really nice interesting matchup because without Willie Gay, who we talked, you know, in the previous episode about his suspension and, and, and why the conclusion for the reasons they were are, um, mm-hmm. Hey, we know Nick Bolton's good, but this really will show you the depth of the middle of the defense in particular, the linebacker position, you know, whether it's Leo Chanel, you know, Jonathan Taylor's former teammate in college at Wisconsin. Um, you know, I mean, was was there a Jonathan Taylor on Middle Tennessee State's schedule back when Darius <laughs> Harris was their star? Their star. It defender? seems less. It seems less than likely. And but maybe, maybe it's hard to say. And and of course, you know, you have Elijah Lee, who's like a six year veteran, been on a number of teams. You know, mostly known for his really good contributions on special teams, but can be a spot starter um, in the rotation as well. And Hey, look, you know, we talked about this last week, but Hey, maybe, you know, maybe this is a nice, maybe this is a better look for Brian cook because they've really not had to put eight defenders in the box. Cause right. You know, they're, you know, uh, credit to you, Austin Eckler. No one should be scared of you on first down. When right. They, when they yeah. hand you the ball off <laughs> on other downs. Certainly. Then it, then it gets just, complicated. Yeah, yeah. then it's complicated because he apparently turns into like the number of tackles that guy shook. I was getting so angry <laughs> that my wife stopped watching the game with me and went upstairs. She's like, it's too stressful in here. And I was like, so I blame Austin Eckler for that. That's obviously not my fault. 
that that that's an Austin Eckler issue. I so I was curious. Do you get the idea? Because I I wrote about how the Chiefs might replace Willie Gay Jr. before they. Did you guys think you were gonna get to do an episode without me? <laughs> what is this? Did you think <laughs> that you were free of me? Why are you here? Oh my goodness! Now listen. I, for a little bit of this, I've just been able to sit back and listen to some great Chiefs podcasting, but somewhere along the lines, I got worried about why I wasn't here. (laughs) Well, maybe, maybe they already laid out all the groundwork on it. No, no, you're just gonna let people just hang in the wind. Why, for the first time ever, this show opened with (laughs) Seth's voice? You weren't even gonna tell people I was gone? I thought it would add to the drum if they wondered while we talked about the Chiefs for 45 minutes, if maybe Josh was dead. <laughs> like, like, man, they're really building up. You know how, like, what they do when they have and at sad the end of the episode. They... <laughs> you. What look, 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 I, I, I don't know if you were listening, Josh, but I, I said, you know, Seth's got a lot of free and free safety in him. So <laughs> I've been, I've just been trying to play man up. You know, I've been doing my responsibility. I don't know what's going on behind me in the secondary. Okay. So I got you. Uh, <laughs> you, just, you just, you just stay up tight no matter what. It's kind of like, uh, it's like what uh, was, was said to uh, when, when they ran wasp in the Super Bowl and, you know, on NFL films, like now, whatever you do, don't you break outside. I've got it. And he did not have it. Now, do I think NFL <laughs> films took some creative licensing with those? Of course. <laughs> I do. But it doesn't matter because it looked incredible. Um, Josh. Yeah. I'll no. just, here, just to explain the defense now for everybody, I just had a regular old doctor's appointment today. It was putting this recording session in jeopardy. And Literally. what I have, what I, right, what, what I have learned is that it's not my fault when we don't start on time because you guys had also not started on time. So I didn't miss a whole lot of podcasts today, which is exciting because, you know, I like to be here uh, and my, my Iron Man like streak continues. Uh, uh, but I just, I was sitting here thinking like, well, I, I'm enjoying this football podcast. I, I wonder if they're going to explain why I wasn't here for it. You know what? It doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm enjoying listening to you guys talk about Darius Harris or whatever. So good show, you guys. You guys can continue. I'm, I have I'm just going to keep sitting here in silence. I have a list of six things that we're going to talk about, Josh. Whoa, good. <laughs> Do you want me to leave? I can just hang up. I, this Look, might be a better show. I have been waiting for years for you to ask to say those words in that <laughs> order to me. And you know what? Sadly, at this point, uh, the answer is no. I just, I've become too used to it. Plus, like, we discovered something, and I don't know how much of this you heard, but like, I do not always pay attention when other people are talking. And that does not work <laughs> with you're a, a lawyer. I mean, like, you're a light, like, nah, you're, you're professional I know attorney. Important. You want to hear an actual true story? <sighs> I, I had a, a social worker once tell me, and my wife got really mad at me over this story. I had a social worker once tell me, um, a social worker I really liked, by the way, in case you somehow are listening to this podcast, the one in 20 billion chance. Somebody's, somebody's saying, already written an iTunes review that says, I like it better without Josh. It wasn't as much nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where I, I had a social worker tell me, you know, Seth, 
it's just frustrating working with you sometimes because it doesn't seem like you're listening to me all the time. And I said, well, that's that's really perceptive of you because I'm not always listening to you. I, and I said, I said, the problem is some of the things you're telling me, and this doesn't apply to you guys. This is just a funny thing. I said, some of the things that you're telling me, they're not important for purposes of court. They're just not. Mm-hmm. I need to know the things that'll win or lose us a case, that'll affect placement, that'll affect all these other things. And she's like, well, how am I supposed to know what's important? I said, because I will tell you what is important. And she uh, unbelievably got very offended. <laughs> and apparently that is not how we're supposed to talk to humans. And I was like, I, I was a bit flabbergasted. Then I went home and talked to my wife and she like, you know, women all have a code, I think. Do they? And she, <laughs> at least in terms of being listened to. Because my wife got more offended by that than she has by anything I've done to her in like the last five years. So, see, it's not just you guys. I'm an equal opportunity ignorer of things. (laughs) That is true. No one can ever accuse you of having a sort of a misogynistic ear. You just might have a stuffy one. You just might be George Bailey. And we never learned that your left ear just doesn't work. (laughs) That That would explain so much. It's just when I see that that little blue bird in in the app or in a it on the on my screen it's like oh, i wonder what that blue bird is saying to me i bet oh, oh man i've got five notifications oh you know it's just it's hard not to so it's just i jump a little bit from place to place which is why josh i'm so glad you're here what Look, do you think of darius harris I I'm excited to be here. I very much liked Nate's idea from the last episode that that maybe Darius Harris is on the field as the mic where, where Nick Bolton steps in. But I was I was listening to every precious second of those pressers today, Nate, including mm-hmm. Steve Spagnuolo being in just prime form. I got a video clip I need to tweet out later. Look, look, uh, I, I, I said it <laughs> hopefully so the camera could listen. It was the Spag special. The man literally didn't know what time it was. It was like 11.57. It was perfect. He talked about the weather. He said something about something. Holy cow, about the weather. I just, he he said he was, uh, somebody accused him of not playing rookies. I mean, I just, I... This that is would, so that important be, to me. That, that, that would be all of us, Coach. All, yeah, all of us. <laughs> yeah, the, the entire media would like to tell you that. Guilty yeah. as charged. Yeah, that's, that's not someone. That's everyone. <laughs> that's like, this, someone could have watched the Chiefs for the first time and be like, ah, why didn't he play any young guys? Like, that's this isn't new. Uh, I, I, I know I have said this on this show before, but it's so important to me that I want to say it again. I want... You guys to know, you guys know this. I want Steve Spagnolo to know. I want people listening to know. We laugh with Spags constantly. Yes. I'm never <laughs> laughing at Spags. He right. is, ge- I genuinely, I was telling Jason this during the show today. Like, you, he's he's just a good dude to listen to, to like explain some defensive things at a, a, a pretty low level on a football scale, but a pretty high level for a press conference scale. He's just affable and, and kind of, I don't know. Free flowing for at least for a defensive coordinator. I I just every single time his press conferences make me smile at least once. Of course, and look today he said, "I guess I get criticized for never playing rookies." And then later on he said, "You know what helps rookies when they got a veteran in front of them." I'm like, well, coach, <laughs> coach, come on, coach. I think Steve was setting us up, but it's it's it, he is the most enjoyable, I don't know, 12 minutes of the week. Usually that is not player related. Now, players, you know, they have their own personality 
that that goes towards you know sort of explaining their vantage point of the games and the season. But like Specs is the best at this. I mean, <laughs> like you can tell Matt Nagy Merritt was kind of cooking today too. It was a there was yeah. some good stuff. Yeah, like you know some people like. I hope people understand what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. They're coaches who are coaching along with Andy Reid, and there are coaches who are <laughs> coaching. Yes, yes. <laughs> and some coaches have a bit more. You know, they have a bit more weight mm-hmm. on their shoulders <laughs> when they get to the podium. <laughs> yeah. Nate, why are you asking me about short yardage plays? <laughs> well, well, Matt Nagy, that's my job. I know, Nate, but like, why are you asking me? <laughs> I think there's also an offense-defense thing there. I just think defensive coordinators are already working from a disadvantage because it's just so difficult to do that. They'll just defensive coordinators kind of have. They seem like they have a little more of a YOLO mentality, generally speaking. It's like, <laughs> they just want. It, I don't know. They want people to know how hard their job is. Very true. It's yeah. like, yeah. It's like yeah. well, why Good didn't point. you do this against Patrick Mahomes? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked because <laughs> we tried this and it didn't work because he just did this. So then we did this. And do you have any idea how many different cover whatever numbers there are? There's so many. There's like 18 like, variations within each one, yeah. and all of us use different terminology. So half my guys don't know what I'm talking about half the time. We like, were on a Falcon Dragon you know. cover 14, and I don't know, man. He just knew what to, we, he just knew what it was. I really, I re- we really need somebody in football to come up with a cover 10. What is cover 10, coach? <laughs> hey, we ran a cover 10. You hadn't seen it before. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just glad the fellas adjusted in the middle of the week to what we, what we presented them. Um, yeah, like, it is so true. And it made me laugh, Seth, when I believe it was you last night who retweeted, our, our good colleague, Nate Tice, who tweeted out a video f- to explain Gus Bradley. We always going to be in cover three, oh. dog. We oh, always, yeah. we always go Whoa. like Patrick since 20, you know, Gus, since 2018, Patrick has literally devoured cover three looks pre-snap <laughs> and post-snap. If your name is not the Los Angeles Chargers and Gus Bradley's like, yeah, I did it last year with the Raiders. I'm going to do it this year with the Colts. <laughs> it was the, if I remember, it was a video of someone being like, it cannot be broken. Yeah, it, it cannot right, be broken. And then the guy just took it, and it snapped it in half. That was the best. I am so, I don't know. I, I'm so excited to see what this game looks like. Although, here, here's something, Nate, like we, we were going to get here eventually before before before, Josh before the trumpets arrived. Thing. That so was really showed back up. Yeah, thank you. Um, Like, the, I feel so good about this Colts game that I feel bad about this Colts game. And that is nothing but that is not an analyst talking. And I apologize. I'm bringing no value to your ear holes right now. <laughs> Other than a, a still occasionally traumatized Chiefs fan because the Colts. Colts. Yeah. Because the Colts, whenever yeah, they're supposed yeah. to beat them, something weird happens. And, and I just, they make me uncomfortable. And like, that sounds weird to say it that way. But there's just something about, oh, they're going to play the Colts in a dome. Mahomes is going to throw for 9 million yards. That's what I thought last time. But then his ankle bugged him a little, and he went from the fire-breathing dragon to kind of like, I don't know, like the the early season two Game of Thrones dragons. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, And, and so I just, you know, Josh, that was such a nice courtesy chuckle. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> 
can't end it with a world weary sigh. Eh, like uh, uh, you're you're welcome. Seth. Sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you just gotta lay out and try to be a good teammate. You know, you can't. <laughs> they can't all be gut busters. But I don't want to leave you talking to silence. It's just yeah, that's fair. Team but, sport. But I, I I'm nervous about the game just because the Colts have been a lot worse than I expected, and. You know, rather than just accept that maybe I was wrong, I keep thinking yeah. like, "Yeah, there's you're such a jerk." No, it's a good. No, 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 no. You you misunderstand me, Seth. Uh, because as um, as sports betting in the wonderful state of Kansas has been uh, legalized, popularized, and our whole deal now in this entire state, um, I one of the one of the trains I, I there are there are two trains that I was riding on at, at lightning speed last week. And it was the Vikings are being undervalued and the Colts are going to bounce back. And oh friends, boy. I don't know if you're paying attention, but um, there's no for sale sign in my front yard or anything like I, you know, Chiefs Cardinals got me off to a nice start. We're OK out here. But I I am ready to throw in the towel on the Colts so thoroughly. This is my take that I had as I was driving back from the doctor, assuming that you guys were going to be 30 minutes into the show. And I might just be an analyst and let one of you host. But I I don't I, I over couch things sometimes, not just my body, but like takes. <laughs> and and I don't I say, well, you know, this game could go different. If the Chiefs don't win this game by double digits, I'm going to come in with more negatives than positives on Monday. That's like my goal, because you're right that I don't actually think the Colts are probably this atrocious, but they've looked like it so far. And the Chiefs should take advantage of that and just embarrass them. Yeah, you they should they should play, you know, when you know you're the better opponent you should perform as such um you should make that clear as soon as possible and with that being said everything to seth's point suggests that the colts should play like their jobs are on the line literally um matt ryan i try to tell fans and myself this when they used to play 16 games children I would say the first four weeks, it's after the fourth game that you can make a real assessment, a real opinion. You can like you have a you have a good enough sample size because it is half the it is a quarter of the season. And because of the stupid 17th game, that may or may not matter, you know. We are still learning about all these teams. And what we have learned so far is that the Colts are awful. Um and they should have beaten the Texans. And they look pretty lifeless against the Jaguars. And we don't know as of yet if Michael Pittman's going to play. That's their, you know, best receiver. He should mm-hmm. play. You know, Alec Pierce, their their rookie receiver, who they took before Sky Moore. We don't know if he's gonna play, but but you would hope. Um Shaquille Leonard, their best defensive player last year. You know, he's he's been dealing with his own injuries. And the quarterback has just stunk. Like, I just, you, you can't say it otherwise. But it's not the four-game sample size yet. So there could still be an outlier or a change to where a team in its first home game against a perennial contender might actually rise up and play to their own potential, their own talent level. Now, now the question then becomes, is it as close as the Chiefs on their best day? But I I totally understand, Seth, that if Jonathan Taylor just has one highlight run in the first quarter Mm -hmm. or if 
Matt you know, if Matt Ryan doesn't, you know, if he if he if he gets into rhythm, the question then becomes for Frank White. It's fourth and two from the two yard line. What are you going to do on on the opening drive? Because Man. that because that decision will kind of frame the entire game, in my opinion. Because I could see it to where, based on their scheme, their game planning, hey, the Colts have gotten the football into the red zone, and it's fourth and six from the six. We all know probably what they should do, but what his decision will be will be fascinating to me if that is how the scenario plays out. Do you have a theory, Seth, on on if uh, if he's going to blink at all? Um, really, honestly, if either side of the Colts are going to blink at all, because the Gus Bradley stuff is hilarious. The Matt Ryan sort of uh, Frank Reich state of the union right now is is dubious. Like, I, can you can you build me an argument for this being more than just a weird game and, and actually being something that the, the Colts bring some surprises out through? For them, for it to be more than a weird game, a couple things have to happen. Um, one, they got to win up front on offense, obviously, to where Taylor has a really big day. Two, uh, Leonard needs to be back. Is he? Is there even a thought that he'll be back? Because that's I have, a big, their, I have not looked at their injury report today. Um, I'll give it to you here in a minute. And so if, if Leonard is somehow able to come back and able to play at a high level, he changes a lot of things on their defense. Um, and then three, you need Matt Ryan to play more like he did last year and less like he has this year. So those, I mean, those really are in order for it to be a game and, and that sound other than like weirdness. Right. Sure. Right. Um, cause there's always any given Sunday weirdness stuff that happens with, you know, a zillion turnovers or something goofy. But other than that, I mean, that that's really for the Colts to give them a game. And like, it's kind of the, you, we talked about this last year. I thought in terms of when you're discussing, how likely it is one team is going to beat another team at the NFL level because parity is a real thing because it's just one game. It's, you know, 60 snaps on offense and defense, roughly the sample size is so small. Weirdness can do a lot of things. The goal isn't to like really find a percentage. If you really want to figure out the disparity between teams, make a list of the things that need to happen for it to be a close game on one team side versus the other or a blowout on one time side one team side or the other, right? And so like what would need to happen for the Colts to blow out the Chiefs, right? Like that list would be quite long. What would need to happen for the Chiefs to blow out the Colts? Ah, just Mahomes have a good Football. day. Yeah. 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 Mahomes Mahomes be more like he was against Arizona, which and less like he was against the Chargers, which by the way, finished his charting. Chiefs fans, he he did throw four potential picks. Like and a, one of them wasn't really on him, but it sort of was on him. Like, he made some incredible plays, too. But, like, if he doesn't do that, you know what I mean? Like, there just really isn't a, there, there's a long list of what needs to happen for the Colts to even make this a game. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. 
This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm I'm ready to give the injury report for the Indianapolis Colts. I thought maybe he was still looking up the injury report, and I was like, you know what? So then, Seth, what did you learn about the the offense? Did you learn anything from Mahomes in week two? But I learned a ton. Guys, I work really hard at this. So, Nate, what's the injury report here, Nate? um, My my biggest takeaway is Patrick Mahomes. Elite game manager? Um, Come on. Now, with that that being said, Yannick Ngakwe... Um, the defensive end for the Colts, you know, new to the to the roster. Um, he has a back injury. Uh, he went from limited Wednesday to not practicing today. So, mm. so keep that in mind on Thursday. We'll, we'll see what happens on Friday. The injury report came out uh, while we were recording here. Um, you know, it, Michael Pittman Jr., their their best wide receiver. He has been limited with a quad on both days. Um. Alec Pierce had a concussion, but he is a full participant Wednesday and Thursday, so that means he is trending towards being probably available for Sunday's game. And then for Shaquille Leonard, um, again, just a turnover creation machine last year. Um, he has a more significant back, I would probably say, than, than Ngakwe, because uh, he hasn't played this season. Uh, he has been a full participant uh, oh. in Wednesday and Thursdays. Now, he may be on a pitch count, um, for Sunday's game, but but again, we'll we'll see if there's any setbacks. the The big one is Ngakwe and Pittman Jr. If if like if Ngakwe and Pittman Jr. don't play in this game, Jonathan <laughs> Taylor's going to need about two hundred yards. Yeah, <laughs> and timely yards too, not just yes. garbage time yeah. stuff. I mean. They, they'd have to come at appropriate times, some of them being big plays, but also consistently good. Because, like, let's say you run for 175 yards, but, you know, 75 of those are on one big play. That's great. But then what if you've got, like, one more 20-yard or one more 30-yarder and then a bunch of other plays that set you behind the sticks? You could still have an offensive performance with a 200-yard rusher that is still kind of paltry. And I say this as someone who cheered for the Chiefs for years that watched things like that happen. If you a rushing attack, that's the reason it's so hard to score a ton of points running the ball because you inevitably end up with that third and eight. Then you got to throw it. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor's great, but he can't throw the ball. At least I don't think he can. I don't know. They might let him give that a shot at some point. <laughs> um, depending how the rest of the season pans out. Um, okay. So, Nate. Nate Taylor. 
Yes. Do you have anything you explicitly need to say right this second? I'm going to concede my time. I deserve this. For Mr. Kaiser. The gentleman from The Athletic has ceded his time. Mr. Kaiser of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. I would love to know what you have learned about Patrick LeVon Mahomes II and the film review that you, Seth Kaiser, did at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. It's not there as we record right now, but I presume at some point it will be available there. What did you learn going through the film for Patrick Mahomes against the Chargers? Seth Kaiser. Well, I'm glad you said, I'm glad you said my name at the end because I heard you say Patrick Mahomes' name. I thought you were talking <laughs> to him. I'm talking to him! <laughs> um, so, so it was kind of interesting... One thing that I can tell you is that the offensive line woes against the Chargers were both accurate and a little overblown. And, and the reason I would say this is that, you know, the edges definitely had some some struggles. I mean, Mack and Bose are really good. That's just how that's going to go. But I counted 11 plays that I designated as flushes. Right. And so when, you know, when I chart Mahomes' snaps, one of the things I chart is called a flush. And that's when a quarterback is flushed off his spot before he has time to go through his reads. The idea is to differentiate between, you know, a QB pressure that occurs after like five seconds. Cause, you know, the QB should have gotten rid of the ball by then. Right. Or done something, anything. But, or, but versus ones where like, you know, one, two, three step, ah, it's Khalil Mack. You know, that's, <laughs> and I don't think that's what he does, but. The, you know, like he goes, like wow, was on this show. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, <laughs> that would whoa, be really that? funny. That would be really funny to hear on a mic'd up. Like, whoa, <laughs> like, oh man, you scared me. <laughs> um, so of those eleven flushes, which is a pretty high number, like you generally once you start getting into double digits with those, that's a game where it's like, ugh, you know, they were they were hassling him a lot, starting to speed up his process, and you could see it late in the game. Of those five, came on blitzes which is, it's not quite half. But for the Chiefs, that's weird. Because generally speaking, you don't see Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs get got on blitzes more than like once a game, if that. Oftentimes, like well, like it's like with Arizona, they blitzed him a bunch and like I don't think they got him once. Whereas here, I mean, and it started early. Um, you, you had a play where, and I'm not sure what happened. Mitch Schwartz made a comment on Twitter that literally no one got it right. What happened when they just let two defenders come flying at him uh, um, on second down and completely unblocked and he got sacked. And then on third down, they ran a screen that literally my, my new puppy Kiko knew they were going to call a screen there. And she was like yelling, Andy, don't do it. And it was rough. Um, <laughs> it was rough. I didn't, it was I didn't. Rough. Dang it, that's where it became a dad joke and that wasn't even intentional. Oh, I'm getting old. Anyway, so what's fascinating to me is the fact that the Chargers were, I don't know exactly what it was they were showing them because nothing looked too special to me. One thing that the Chargers did do was they they had guys, they had like five lined up at the line of scrimmage consistently. Right. And they were doing a pretty good job in terms of the personnel who were doing it, that you genuinely couldn't tell where it was coming from. And you haven't seen Mahomes get got like that in a while. And Creed got got a few times too. By, and that's, by, by Calvin Noy, who yeah. who was like, hey, I'm going to go towards the C. Nope, coming to the A, bud. Yeah, just boom. And, and yeah, immediate pressure. And so other teams are going to be looking at this. 
And I'm curious if it presents any kind of blueprint because there's there's a couple things here that you have to consider. The first, the Chargers have an unusual pair of pass rushers that the Chiefs prepared for, right? So they, they're getting pressure even when they're not blitzing. And that differentiated things because they didn't need to blitz all the time. They blitzed at like a normal NFL amount. It was like a quarter of the time. It just seemed like a lot to Chiefs fans because we're not used to seeing that anymore. Like, that's why what the Cardinals did was so weird. Um, and so they they were able to get pressure there. They also have an unusually talented secondary that is able to get away with some stuff that other teams can't. So I don't know if there's like a blueprint created there, but they were able to get a lot of pressure and they were able to get Mahomes to speed up his process. And I think that's where you had a few miscommunications, a few forced throws that he hasn't had in a while. He hasn't thrown four potential picks in a minute. Um, like, I can't remember the last game he had that many. It might have been back in 2018. So it was just interesting. He also had a couple of missed shots, including in, in the fourth quarter, where he missed guys underneath what, trying to push the ball down the field to MVS when there was a little bit of pressure. So they were able to speed up his process in a way that you normally don't get it. And Mahomes wasn't as good as he normally does, as he normally is. The bad news is even then, overall, he was still accurate a lot more than he was inaccurate. Still had multiple, you know, created yards, that kind of stuff. So it's like pizza, you know, he's still pretty good. Uh, anything you'd like to add to that, Nate? If not, I have a, I have a Colts I have a whole Colts segue we can we can segue let's, back. But. Let's let's go to the let's go to the Colts because now I'm okay. thinking about pizza. Yeah, me too. I'm hungry. I haven't eaten since this morning, and I uh, don't know I'm going to. And I just would like some pizza now. Thank you, Seth. Uh, so there was uh, I believe that this came up. I know I've been cross promoting this show a lot, but I think this recently came up on uh, the Monday or Tuesday episode of the Athletic Football Show, right? Available here across uh, theathletic.com. Anywhere to get your podcast, all that good stuff. And they were talking a little bit about the Colts' struggles in particular. And um, if I would have thought in advance, I would have gone back and gotten the exact quote and gotten all this exactly right. Uh, but but I, I believe the general gist of it at the time was the Colts just kept getting uh, stunted on, literally and figuratively in the football <laughs> sense, uh, across their, their offensive line. Mm-hmm. And specifically, because we, we know that there are elements of this Colts' offensive line that that have gotten you know national acclaim. Uh, with like Quentin Nelson and stuff, but but it seemed like that was apparently something that was really challenging them up front and making Matt Ryan's life incredibly difficult. I, I do still think at this point in his career, a comfortable Matt Ryan can probably do the work you need from him. Uh, but can you guys talk a little bit to that effect of of I guess Nate, if you want to look at the again towards the Colts a little more, why you think that was effective, or if you would add anything to kind of how defenses have attacked the Colts to this point. Um, and then Seth, I don't, I don't know if there's anything there that would translate one way or the other, depending on the talent the Chiefs have on the, their defensive right. line, the specific elements. Also, Mike Dana seems like he is becoming an outside shot to play in this game, which is concerning because he's played quite a bit and pretty well when he's been out there. Right. So yeah, I would say as of right now, um, don't expect Mike Dana to play on Sunday or Harrison Butker for that matter. Right. Right. Um, yeah, and and you know, for this few seconds we have with special teams uh dave tobe said that matt amendola um indoors you know in a dome should be pretty good from 50 um it was actually today we watched him make a field goal from 53 yards with a little bit of gust um behind him um, in the open portion of the media practice to watching the colts versus the jacks Mm. y'all michael Pittman gotta be out there (laughs) like he's just 
he has to be out there. And, you know, the way that Edie DB or defensive coordinator would sort of explain it is they, they shortened everything. So we don't think you can throw the deep ball. We don't think anybody can get open on the deep ball. Guess what we doing? We sit in everything from 10 to 15 yards out. Do something about it. Now, the issue is my first read is not there. And what sort of jumped out is the Jaguars' youngish defensive line looked to be more athletic than the Colts' offensive line. And that might be the first real, like, uh-oh, what we doing from the Colts' standpoint. Because, yeah, their offense is supposed to be built around a pretty good offensive line. Now, their left their left tackle situation, not great. Um, you know, they had Eric Fisher last year, and it didn't go well, and he's not back. And I don't think you could say that they've upgraded at that position. So if the quarterback understands that, and if they're sitting on all those short to intermediate routes and no one's winning one-on-one, well, where the football supposed to go? <laughs> it presents a lot of 50-50 balls. It presents a lot of happy feet and a lot of panic from the quarterback. And... You know, sometimes you throw a ball that gets tipped and now the other team's running with it. So it kind of snowballed on the Colts. And because no one can get open immediately, they have trouble in the red zone. So now we're sitting on on shorter routes in a condensed space. And we're just waiting for you to hand the ball off to, to Jonathan Taylor. Because now we're just going to rally. Um, because our, our defensive line on that particular day was more athletic and quicker to the point than the Colts offensive line. So if you're the Chiefs, and I know we're gonna, I'm gonna hand this off to Seth really quick. I would do stunts to your heart's content, and for all the things that Quentin Nelson does, don't you ever line him up against Chris Jones because the other mm-hmm. option is not viable. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I am really fascinated, and I, I'm I'm sort of asking this question to you, Seth, is Spagnolo has been deliberate and thorough as to when he blitzes against Kyler Murray and, and, and Justin Herbert. Does he just unleash it on Matt Ryan? Because Matt <laughs> Ryan literally can't move. He can't, guys. It's it's sad. <laughs> like, I, how much he can move while not moving on film so far. Right. I think, um, you know, a guy like, <clears throat> excuse me, every week, a guy <laughs> like Matt it's a flimmy show in 2020. I, I just, I allergies. Well, it'll be, I'll be buried in a foot of snow here in like two weeks. So you know, that'll, that'll clear, no, that'll clear things up. No, it, probably not really though. I know that's why I said it. It's fifty. It's fifty eight <laughs> degrees right now. It's fine. Um, and so with Matt Ryan, he's obviously a very smart quarterback. He's seen a lot of things. I don't know if they've got the guys to open up quickly if they're played really aggressively. And so he might get the daylights blitz out of him just for that. The one thing with him is because he's a veteran, because he's seen a lot, you know, he might kind of be willing to, you know, find or be able to find those spots and get the ball out quickly. I think all those stunts, the chiefs defensive line, like Frank Clark, in my opinion, so far this year, hasn't looked any more efficient winning one-on-one. But he does look quicker and you know where that helps stunts and Karloftis who you know we could have a conversation about how effective he's been beating tackles one-on-one he has been really good in in those games and that's where a lot of his pressures have come from 
And Chris Jones, obviously, with all the attention he demands and his own athleticism, he he really helps out open up things with those. Carlos Dunlap is really good at it. Mike Dane has been doing really well with it. Like he's kind of like a low key, like, oh, that's a bummer. Cause he's he's taken a tiny step forward this year that I've seen. Like he looks a little more explosive towards the quarterback. It's been fun. Tell me, tell me if I'm off base on this. I don't think I'm gonna be by the two things you just said about these two players. Mike Dane has been more impactful than Frank Clark this year. Absolutely. I think. And I mean, I, you know, when I say that, that's, you know, it's not based on me charting every snap. So maybe I could be wrong if I went I have noticed Mike Dana more than I have noticed Frank Clark this year. That is a more direct, fair enough. Yeah. And that's, so have I. Mike Dana provided the hit that um, messed up Justin Herbert. Right. Although, although to be fair, Frank Clark provided the hit a few plays that, later. That, he, made us all that, go, aggravated. Oh! <laughs> that was so, oh, that was so bad. And I was like, man, you hit him harder because you know he's hurt. Yep. Like the def- defensive players, I mean, they, they, they have a job to do and they're not trying to literally injure someone, but they, the, they want to hurt him. Like that could have hey. been Chase Daniel, Brandon. We could, you could have just made that chase. I could have hit him instead. <laughs> right. That could have been Chase. Chase Daniel's over there on the sidelines. Like, you're not going to put me in, are you coach? Cause they're, they're really teeing off right now. <laughs> um, so I think with the weakness that the Colts have shown there, um, I think you might see a lot of games from Spags. And I think that might, that's going to include some blitzes, but I think he'll continue to be selective with that and try more movement up front to see what they can get in terms of stunting guys around. And I think Karloftis and Clark might be the primary beneficiaries of that. I, is, is that something that you think is going to just show up because Spags is, is going to empty the bag against Matt Ryan? Or is that something that, that you think that would be more out of character, I guess they would do specifically to attack this team? Like, do you have a feel for, for where Steve Spagnuolo is on the, uh, you know, on one end of this spectrum, it's him blitzing, which he loves to do. On the other end of the spectrum, it's playing young players, which he hates doing, <laughs> as we've all often said, as he has admitted as much. Um, I, I think it's going to be, I don't, see him unloading his blitz package stuff against Matt Ryan and the Colts. And that's one, another reason where I think some of the stunts and that kind of thing, because while that does put stuff on film, it's you're, you're not disguising looks quite the same way. Like you want to avoid tells, but you're not like revealing some of your blitz disguises when you run stunts. You know, it really is a, you know, your very basic, Hey, you know, your your three tech is going to go up the, the outside shoulder of the guard, acting like he's attempting to win, drag the guard, and then your defensive end is going to loop around. This doesn't reveal a, a tendency, and it doesn't necessarily show them what to watch for, other than, hey, they might run stunts. So I think it allows them to kind of be really aggressive, but also keep tricks in the bag for, you know, when whether it's the Bills, although I don't know if I'd blitz Josh Allen a whole bunch, but like whoever it is to where you're really looking for that, wow, I've never seen them do this before advantage. Uh, here's here's one last thing topic-wise, and then we can kind of give our our dismissal thoughts on the Colts, which we can make. When did we do that last time that it really backfired? I don't know if it was last year or two 20, years ago. It was we, 2019. We were very dismissive of some team. and Was it actually the Colts? It was it the Falcons? I can't it was, remember. It was the Falcons who, in 2019, just unloaded the blitz bag that was, on. The, that was 2020, Seth. Was that 2020? Yeah. <laughs> I don't look. I don't remember. But at some point, we were scarred for dismissing a team and then them winning that next game straight up. So I don't mean dismissal. I mean our evaluation. 
Um, but I, I, as I was um, parachuting back into the show, you guys had talked some about the linebacker spot, Darius Harris, and, and we talked about this plenty, you know, on the episode immediately following this. But you, you took a closer look, Seth, in the uh, in the film review since we talked about it, or at least that article went up after we talked about it. Um, and now we have more information from Spags, from Brendan Daly, even as Nate was out there asking the questions. Anything else that you guys think is noteworthy? Um, specifically, I'm going to say don't even look too far down the line because I think the linebacker ch- conversation changes with literally each and every one of these different teams they're going to match up against right. in, in these next uh, three weeks following the Colts game. Um, but did you did you learn anything else there, Nate, or or are you taking all that at face value? And then Seth, I, I am curious where this sort of falls in your ranking of of options you were hoping to see the Chiefs go to first. Um, I would just say that be mindful that the that the Chiefs wide receivers all have what could be nagging injuries moving forward. Mm. Juju Smith-Schuster has a shoulder. Um, McCole Hardman has an ankle uh, left heel situation. And um, I believe it was Marquez Valdez-Scanlon. Uh, let me look here again. Um, it, it just, it occurred to me yesterday um, that like, hey, they have three wide receivers. And like much of this year is about wide receiver depth versus obviously yeah. one major s- superstar. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scanlon has a hip. So um, Mikol has been the only one that's been limited in practice this week. But I just wonder like, you know, how these guys are going to do over the next couple weeks, similar to the linebacker position. Uh, Seth, on the linebackers then? Uh, Harris was, uh, so I wrote about the various options they had to replace him. I, I kind of started off breaking Chiefs fans' hearts everywhere because I just saw a few too many comments on Twitter where people are like, oh, yeah, Lee Chanel time. And I was like, no, it's not. Um, and th- that sounded mean, and I felt bad about it. But, like, the team has never given us any indication that that he's their backup will. And he's not. That's why he took no snaps there in preseason. So, or, or in training camp. But that's, but I digress. Um, Harris was the guy that I would have picked. Uh, you know, Elijah Lee looked like he was more the primary backup at that position. But Harris, I think, had a more impressive preseason. Mm-hmm. I, I, he's not the athlete that Lee is. I think Lee's a better athlete. But I think Harris showed some good downhill burst and instincts. Definitely not nearly as comfortable in coverage. Um, So they're going to need to figure out what they want to do there. But it's not like he's like, you know, dragging his feet through mud there either. So it's just going to be a big change. I personally am curious whether or not, even with Harris replacing some snaps, if they're also going to be willing to go light a little more often and see what they can do with three or four safety looks. So that's still something I'd prefer to see a little more of. But I honestly, I'm not sure the Colts are the team to do that with because I assume the Colts are going to kind of mostly try to beat them with the run game. Yeah, I I think this conversation gets very, very, very interesting whenever you have a team that could put any one of Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, or Devontae Adams in the slot in two weeks, or with Tom Brady in one week, or with the Bills in three weeks. Uh, I, I imagine that will, uh, that'll evolve. So let's, let's, let's fire off on the Colts then. I'm, I'm going to just tell you again, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns on if this isn't a, a game that the Chiefs win, the 10 point thing, if it's a whatever backdoor cover and, and garbage time that brings it from a 16 point game to a nine point game, that may not meet my, my, uh, actual qualifications for coming in with more negatives and positives. But, if the Chiefs don't control this game the whole way through, I'd, I'd be surprised. I, w- I would like to see a nice, like, 35 to, 
I don't know, 20 type of game. I'll take 3120. Give me that. I'll take 3120 off the board. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking 3020 um myself. Uh I'm not I feel like the Colts have two field goals in them or two field goals and two touchdowns. That just sort of feels right. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Again, you, you will obviously know more Sunday morning in particular about the Colts like, you know, if if Shaquille Leonard is back, if Mike, you know, we'll know pretty quickly in the first quarter I, I you know i'm assuming right now that michael pittman jr will play but how will he look can he can he create some separations if they scheme some one-on-one opportunities against like a luxurious need or, or rashawn fitton um but if you're the better team and you've had 10 days off perform as if you're the better team like your performance should um should demonstrate that would would be my would be my preview um also knowing that I don't know how often like coaches can tell this to players or how aware players are, but given the quarterback situation in Indianapolis, given how the hope has sort of deteriorated and then be rebuilt to be deteriorated again, to be built and then Carson Wentz to rip your heart out to be rebuilt again. I think these Colts fans might be ready to start booing. Like, mm-hmm. like sooner than the Cardinal fans were like, yo, dog, this is opening day and this is how y'all looking out here. So if the, if the, I'm just going to give a scenario. If the Chiefs are up 10 nothing early in the second quarter and it's like a fourth and two and the Colts punt, I, having lived in Indianapolis before coming back to my hometown on opening day with Matt Ryan, when y'all, when y'all fed us this hope again. Colts fans might be more eager to boo their home team than any other team this weekend. Oof. That can lead for a really not fun day for them. I mean, this game is like a lot of games for the Chiefs when they're, well, not a lot this year because their schedule is a brutal one. But they, they are a team that can dishearten opponents early. And they haven't always done that. In the in in the Mahomes era, there's been stretches of it where they'd come out, you know, and it's just like, you know, roll down the field, touchdown, defensive stop, touchdown. And then it's like, okay. You know, I mean, it just it just changes everything about the game the entire way it's viewed. And if you're at home, you're getting booed. It's been a crappy year already, you know. It's I mean, that seems disheartening. And with a team like Indianapolis, that I mean, they know, maybe they don't know yet. They feel maybe that uh, that little bit of hey, you know, because they I, I think they really they they talk themselves up, their fans and their players, as you know, maybe contending for a playoff spot. Hey, we upgraded they the quarterback. They should win spot. the division, Seth. We should win this the division. division. Stinks. And the now, division is just Jags, yeah, which is and, actually funnier and cooler. And I'm rooting for the Jags. Well, you know, but yeah, Trevor hey. Trevor Lawrence. Hey. Uh, Hey, hey, Christian like Kirk. Peterson combo. I see what you're doing Christian out here. Kirk, I, I see here. what you're Come doing on, out here, baby. Hey, yeah. that, 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 that's, that knows ain't hey, income taxes. It's looking real <laughs> nice right now. And that's where I would say it's, you know, you, you're they're right at that precipice because 0-2 or 0-1-1, whatever they are. Um, yeah, a lot of Colts fans this week are like, we are not 0-2. <laughs> we are 0-1-1. One and one. <laughs> <laughs> that is a might hard, be sadder. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's a I hard mean, it's cry not, to rally around. It's not great, but like um, <laughs> some, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> we died 
Jackson! Woo! Who gave a disaster of a Broncos team kind of a good game? The 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 one podcast. Which, if you want, you know, uh, if you want a different, if you want the perspective from the Colts and our our you know immensely talented Colts writer Zach and, and James, by all means, check that out. But on the we 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 made a clerical mistake on the back end after they recorded with a graphic that said how do the Colts you know how the Colts you know get back into a groove after 0 and 2 and the amount of replies from Colts oh. fans oh no <laughs> but look when you when you tie the Texans on opening day like hey man yeah. like it's 32 teams and it looks like y'all lost <laughs> like, yeah that was a just, that was it's that just was a, a letdown. Yeah, right. it's just it's just a mistake. It's, yeah, a, you get that letdown out of the gate, and that's tough. Yeah, it's a human error issue, and we we acknowledge that. Hey, we as humans sometimes make mistakes, even with statistics right in front of our eyes, available to us on any digital device platform available to us. But yes, <sighs> the Coulter O one and one and. Yeah, it, it's 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 real it's real contentious right now. So you go check out One Percent Better. That's the uh, the cold spot if you need a little more listening to get you to Sunday. Um, you can also, of course, read all of Nate's work up on theathletic.com. Seth on the Athletic. In addition to the Chief of the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. I am at JB Briscoe on Twitter. And that'll get you to pretty much everything else that I do. Uh, even if I'm not here, you know, to actually bring us into the show. I at least get to do the thing at the end where I tell Nate that he should close us out of it. This whole episode really felt weird. I don't care for it. I think next week I'll talk first again. Wow. Seth, did you give us your prediction, by the way? I predict that the Chiefs... And No, I didn't. Thanks for asking, Nate. You're welcome. Uh, I mean, Nate interrupted you, so this is I sort really of him did. being like... This is Nate like hanging from the rim, being like, Seth, you dunk or did I? <laughs> oh, I dunked over you. Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's like... that was, it, down here. He was He was Derwin James asking me after body slamming, <laughs> hey, hey, you, you good, good, bro? You good? good? That is funny. That's exactly what it was. That, that is That's such, exactly what it was. Hey, you, you good, bro? Yeah, I'm okay, man. Like I was, I was waiting for Kelsey to make some comment on that podcast, but you should listen to. By the way, he he talked about that play. I was waiting for him to say something like, "Man, I'm in my 30s. Like, come on, don't do that to me. That hurt. Like, I'm gonna feel that for two days. Like, if someone did that to me, I would legitimately not get up <laughs> for a week. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. So, um, in terms of predictions. I just don't see a path there for the Colts. It looks like they're getting healthier, but I just don't see a path there for it in terms of their defense. And we didn't even like really, like we talked about a little, but like Gus Bradley has not had success against the Chiefs outside of like games where like when the Chargers had like everyone healthy and Derwin James played unbelievable. And you know what I mean? And Bosa went off and stuff. And 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 they don't. And a sloppy turf in Mexico City. Oh, Mm. that still is upsetting to me. Um, And I just, they, they don't have that on their defensive roster. Like that's just not, you know, you know, Joey Bosa is not walking through that door. Um, You know, DeForest Buckner, great player. But I just don't see them being able to generate enough pressure to make his whole, yeah, we're going to run cover three and it's going to look pretty similar the whole game. That just doesn't work. And we saw that last year with the Raiders where it was it was disgusting, like in a good way as Chiefs fans, (laughs) Um, but not in a good way if you're a fan of the Raiders or Gus Bradley. 
Now you can uh, close this out, Nate. I almost said now Seth can close this out, but Seth got to open the show up. I don't feel like, I don't know. Or Nate, do you want to just give Seth the book in power today? That would be, I don't know. I, I imagine you might have an outro. No, no, I, I got I got a couple things here. I'll be really Let quick. Let Nate cook. Thank, thank you all for listening, <laughs> despite our, uh, our unstructured mess. Um, okay, guys. We gave our money. We we can't get it back. Okay, I always tell people it's like you work harder to get your money back than when you than when you obviously originally gave it. We gave all our money to Amazon, and this is what they do to us. This this is this is what y'all do to us. Now I need Nick Chubb to get like four touchdowns from my fantasy team, but I'm about as soon as we stop recording this, ladies and gentlemen, just know. I mean, Amazon already had my money, but just know that like for all the money that they gathered up and said, thank you. Here's Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and like two playoff, you know, rosters. I'm going to watch Najee Harris against an absolute no plugging of, of just <sighs> say a prayer for Najee Harris. Y'all this man is running. He he's running a different he's running he's playing a different sport within a sport. Um and look, you know, the Browns somehow lost last week. Just they gave us a high that obviously the second time is not gonna be the same. And then <laughs> on a different note, we don't usually do Royals Corner a ton. But Josh, I just I just want you to understand that like the Royals are going to be a very different team next year. And that could excite some people. That could provide some trepidation. But I respect Dayton Moore literally shaking everybody's hands after it was made clear that he was fired yesterday. So we will, at the Athletic, continue to provide you more coverage of the Royals. But I just think it was interesting that in the amount of years that I have done this job, I have never seen someone get fired and then talk publicly and then, you know, say, be available to say goodbye. It's one of the strangest tenures I've ever can remember from a like executive in any sport where it's just like on one side of the scale is disappointment and unfulfilled promises. And, you know, a lot of swinging and misses and on the other side is like the greatest two year run in modern baseball history when you exclude the ability to hit home runs it's I just want people to like truly understand that what Dayton Moore did in a sport that is always constantly changing somehow figured out a way to do something that Billy Bean couldn't do and Billy Bean still has a job and that's just how weird this whole sport is um, while everyone sort of returns their attention to the Chiefs on Sunday. Hey, hey. hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.